note this verse. And he entered again to the synagogue. There was a man there which had a withered hand. Then notice number five. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of the heart. Have you ever thought what it would be like to go to church with Jesus? Well, we get to in this chapter. The Bible tells us he enters into the synagogue or, if you will, our church. Uh, National newspaper carried a story about Mrs. Lily, Lily, Lilla Gregg. The story was told how Mrs. Gregg in her 80s had not missed church in 1,040 times. My, the editor commented this comment, what in the world is wrong with her? Doesn't it ever rain or snow in her town on Sunday? Doesn't she ever have unexpected company? How is it she never goes out on Saturday and too tired to attend church the next day? Doesn't she ever beg off to attend picnics, family reunions? Doesn't she ever have a headache, a cold, a nervous spell? Doesn't she ever oversleep? And does, had she ever got angry at the preacher or hurt feelings by someone and just stayed up? What in the world is the matter with Mrs. Greg anyway? Well, what was wrong with her was she had a love for God in her heart. Amen. And Jesus goes to church. But one thing to be sure, when he goes to church, he doesn't go just to watch. He goes to work. And as he walks in the door, he's greeted with two groups of people. The first person had a hand problem. Just one. The second persons, several of them, had the heart problem. Let's look at these two problems. May I say, first of all, let me set the stage. This was a setup. Hands down, this was a setup. If you were deformed or had a withered hand or lame or, or some fashion or another, you could not enter in to the temple. And here he is. What are you doing here? You're not allowed. And yet, he's here. So this is a setup. Perhaps I, I can imagine them meeting this man, and they said, we'll give you a few dollars. Why don't you come to church with us tonight? We want you to sit like you're in the front pew, and Jesus is going to walk in. We want him to see you. And so, but this is a setup. Don't miss this. It was a setup. And the Bible tells us that they might accuse him. And so we find in this midst of this setup, first of all, we see a hand that was healed. And he entered into the synagogue, and there was a man 
which had a withered hand. Now, the condition of his hands, the Bible tells us, it was withered. For some reason, it had lost its blood flow and it had just shriveled up. Uh, perhaps it was a, an injury. Uh, one ancient writer said he was most likely a stonemason. I don't know where he got that from, but whatever it was, for some reason, those hand got injured. This man here had a withered hand. Now Luke 6, 6 tells us something else about this man. He tells us what hand it was. It was his right hand. Now, ordinarily, we would say, okay, what's, what's the big deal about that? It's his right hand, not his left. It's his right. Well, right hand in the Word of God was symbolic of power. It was the, the hand of strength. It was the hand of power. The right hand through the Bible, it was typified, symbolic of power. Exodus 15, 6. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, had dashed to pieces the enemy. D.L. Moody said, A great many people are thinking that we need new measures, that we need new churches, that we need new organs, that we need new choirs, and all these things. That's not what the church of God needs today. It's the old power that the apostles had. So the right hand is symbolic of power. And the hand had withered. Could it be tonight? Across our nation, the power of God has withered in a lot of people's lives. They may be saved. They may be born again. They may be washed in the blood, but the reality is the power of God has withered in their hand. Not only is the right hand symbolic of power, but it's symbolic of blessings. Notice what the Bible says in Genesis forty-eight fourteen, And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the youngest in his left hand, upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hand wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. Jacob was placing his right hand on Ephraim's head to give a blessing. It was symbolic of blessing. May I, Psalms 102 says, My heart is smitten, wither like grass, so that I forgot to eat my bread. Could it be? Could it be your blessings are withered? You remember a time, maybe a time in your life. And let me just let me just say this is so true. Boy, there's times that when we, we're right where we need to be, God blesses our life. He blesses us every day. But there's times He blesses us more than other times. We kind of get off track. Uh, we forget everything belongs to God. And good thing for us to remember, everything belongs to God. He even owns the toilet paper. I just tell you. And so everything belongs to God. And, and tonight, uh, God said, and, and the blessings 
can wither. Uncle Buddy Robertson used to speak of the birds singing, flowers blooming, the bees buzzing, sun shining in the backyard of your soul. Could it be the birds have quit singing, the flowers have quit blooming, the bees have quit buzzing, and suns quit shining in the backyard of your soul? If it has, I want you to know your hand, you got a withered blessing. May I remind you, listen, I said it this morning, and may I just say it again tonight. Don't get a spirit of fear. Don't, Lord, listen to yourself speak. It'll help you. When you start saying, well, this might happen, this might happen, this might happen. Well, Lord gosh, you might get hit by a bus. That might You know what today is? Right now. I'm not saying you can be foolish and not prepared, but I'm just simply saying, don't get a spirit of fear and start letting what might happen dictate your life. I got a God that's bigger than that. Amen? Amen? Do you? I got a God that's bigger than that. So it's the right hand of blessing. No, the right hand was symbolic of fellowship. Psalm 16:8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. One of the things that can happen, Solid Rock Baptist Church, and we'll let it happen. This, this time can be the greatest time of our Christian life. And that is this. God's going to slow us down. He's going to slow us down. And right now, you've got time to renew that fellowship. Not only with others, but with the Lord. Amen. Uh, that's the reason I'm, I hope you'll come Wednesday to pray. We need, some of you have not prayed in a long time. Ooh, that fellowship. If that fellowship's withered, Psalm 74, 11, Why withdrawest thou thy hand from thy right hand? Pluck it out of thy bosom. He said, that right hand of fellowship. Now, we can't shake hands, but we now fellowship with the Lord. He doesn't have any viruses. We now fellowship with him. The greatest fellowship you'll ever have is with the Lord. It's, he's never too busy for you, never, never too far away. Hallelujah, you have fellowship with the Lord. Psalmist said in one, Psalms 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in, in unity. If we, do, if we do this right, this will bond our church not separate. Only time way it'll separate is you and I we start operating off of fear. How's that going to work? You'll be too afraid to come to church. You'll be too afraid to tithe and then you'll bring a curse and then you'll get sideways with everything. So the reality is Right hand's a symbol of fellowship. The right hand is always, and his right hand is withered. 
This man's hands withered. And it's symbolic of some things that had withered. Uh, he, he, he couldn't shake hands with anybody in a synagogue. No, no, says, is right hand symbolic of service? Psalms 80, 15, and the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted, and the branches that thou, made, that thou madest strong for thyself. The work of planting a vineyard described as the work of the right hand. And it, it, it's, it's at, and it's withered. Notice, here he is in the house of God and his right hand. So his, his service has withered. His fellowship has withered. Uh, I, I want you to know his blessings have withered and, and all his power has withered because he's got a withered hand. I'm convinced that a lot of churches, we have folks that are saved that's got a withered hand. They used to serve. They used to do this. They used to read the Bible. They used to pray. Oh, I do not want to be a used to Christian. I want to be busy doing it. Amen. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participant. Understand. And I'm not, and I'm not being critical of our churches that did. That's not my business. But it would have been easy to cancel services today. Amen? It'd been easy. Uh, it really would. But may I remind you, I serve a God. And I just want to set the record straight that I believe He's a God that can handle whatever's going on in our country and in our nation. And I want you to know we're going to have church. And we'll figure out a way. I got too many good men around here. And may I say, I want to thank my, uh, my deacons yesterday. And I called them in a moment's notice. Fellas, get to the church. We need to meet. So, and they did. But we will we'll make a way. And uh, you used to. Don't be a used to Christian. Now, that's a condition of his hand. And notice the cure of his hand. And the Lord sees the man that had the hand and he saith unto the man which had the withered hand two words, stand forth. Stand forth. Here's what he done. Caleb, come here. Stand forth. Forth. It means pay attention. It means be aware of where you're at. Thank you. He wasn't sleeping. Amen. Kind of nodding a little bit. I just hit him out. Stand forth means wake up to your place. He's saying to this man, he said, stand forth. He's saying to this man, because see, you have to understand something. This man wasn't supposed to be there. He was not allowed in the temple. And the Lord said, stand forth. I want you aware of what you're doing. 
while you're he said, I want you to know where you're at. The greatest deception, the greatest deception is those that think they're somewhere they're really not. The greatest deception is to think you gotta walk with God you don't have. The greatest deception is to think you're saved and all the time you're lost and undone without Jesus. This man, wake up. To stand forth. And he called the man's attention to his condition. And what's so sad is that many have withered hands and not aware of the condition whatsoever. Judges 16, 20. We have an Old Testament man, mighty man, strong. I tell you how strong. One day, he grabbed a thousand pound gates, ran with them for 20 miles. Wasn't even out of breath. How many people you know have done that lately? Thousand pound gates and run 20 miles. Amen. But notice what he says here. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out at other times before and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. He had no idea. He's done. He doesn't even know it. Power of God has left him. My. Oh, how many believers wish not that they've lost their power and they have a, a hand problem. And Lord says, stand forth, pay attention. I remember I went to, to a service years ago, years ago. Lord, it's so long ago. I went to get some signs that you could put on a wall and I wasn't preaching and wasn't even half right with God for that matter. And uh, I, I said at the back, I went to get some signs, but the preacher preached, where fell it? Talking about the axe head that flew off the axe handle in the river, you know. The prophets of Elijah's going to chop down some trees. The man lost his axe head. said, where fell it? But we got to preach them, where fell your love for God? Where fell your Bible read? Where fell your prayer? Boy, God just wired me out on that back pew. And I thought to myself, you'll shut up. I'll get back up there and find it. Amen. Because I had no I didn't go for that reason. Didn't go for that purpose. But God in his mercy and grace. And the Bible says in Mark 3, 5, and when he told the man to stand forth, he looks... He looks to the other. I'm just glad that's not my fault. Amen. He looks to that bunch of Pharisees and he asked them a question. First of all, he's mad at them. He's angry because of the hardness of their heart. We'll talk about that in a minute. But here's what he asked them. He said, is it good or is it bad? Listen to what he said. And he said unto them, Is it lawful 
Because, see, this was our Sunday. It's third Sabbath. But it would be like our Sunday. It's our Sabbath. During church. And on the Sabbath, you could not heal. Now they had already broke the Sabbath by setting this up and having this man there. Now just keep that in mind. He said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day? He just looked at him. Is it lawful? Am I breaking the law if I do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil? Is it good or is it evil? He said, to save life or to kill? And they could not say a word. They held their peace. They held their peace. Because they couldn't answer him. They couldn't answer that question. Then he gets angry. And he looks at them with anger, being grieved at the hardness of the heart. And he said, Stretch forth now thine hand. That old hand's withered, and he stretches it forth, and it's made whole and restored just like the other one. I got to read, you know, the Lord had to have a sense of humor. This man was probably bought off to come, but man, when he come to church, he got something he wasn't expecting. He didn't come to be healed, but he got healed anyhow. He got something he was not expecting to happen that night. Could you? He went home and said, Mama, you ain't gonna believe this. I was paid money to go to the temple. I went to the temple and got healed and got the money both. Could you imagine? He's praising God. The Bible says he was angered. So he cured his hand. But notice something. Notice something. There was others there in a greater need. And that was hearts that were hard. There was a hand that was healed. Stop here. Stop. Time out. Everybody look straight at me for just a moment. We'll get through all of this. What's going on? We'll get through it. And I'm praying God makes good out of it all. And he'll heal everything. He healed this man's hand. But there was another disease he couldn't heal. He could have if they let him. And right now, that's the hearts that were very hard. Now, you say, well, I have a message like this tonight. You might have a fearful hand, but if your heart's where it needs to be, everything will be okay. God can heal this hand. But when your heart's hard, when your heart's hard, when your heart's away from God, and what this ordeal that we're going through right now, of course our nation's going to do, it's going to jerk the it's going to jerk the, the shirt open and the heart open. It's going to expose your heart for, to you what's there. 
It'll expose you if you've got a spirit of fear or faith. It'll expose what you are and what you're thinking. This man had hearts that were hard. And they watched him. Notice something. Whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. So the Pharisees had a real problem. Patient was recovering from the hospital from a heart attack. His preacher came to see him and asked him if, I, if he'd seen all of his sins flash before his eyes during his heart attack. The man replied, don't be ridiculous. It lasted only six hours. <laughs> you understand? Get that Let me tell you again, so listen carefully. The preacher came in and asked him if he saw all of his sins flash before his eyes during his heart attack. The man replied, don't be ridiculous. The attack only lasted six hours. Now, did you get it? Amen. We're a little slow tonight. That's all right. It's been a busy day. The problem of the Pharisees was spiritual, not physical. The word hardness means a covered with a thick skin. The heart was calloused. How does a heart condition like this manifest? The man's was manifested. You could see it. It was withered. It was very evident. It was withered. But what kind of condition does this manifest? Number one, notice this. Don't forget this. It's just so good. They watched instead of worship. They were the religious leaders of the day and they watched him. And they watched him. And they watched him. They inspected him. They never took their eyes off of him. Not because they was interested in what he had to say that they might find a way to accuse him. A person that's got a heart like this, they come to church to watch instead of worship. Church was over and the couple was driving home. Now listen carefully, you need to get this one. The wife asked her husband, did you notice the mink that so-and-so had on? He said, no. Didn't notice a thing. She asked him, said, do you notice the hat sisters had on in the choir? No. Didn't notice that either. Did you notice the tie the preacher was wearing is new? Once again, he replied, no. All of a sudden, she said, well, my goodness, a lot of good service, did you? That's the way a lot of people come to church. They notice. They notice. Somebody's changes, somebody's clothes, somebody's, they watched. They come to everything but the Lord. They're thinking about what they're going to do next to the service. I, I, I say this with, without reservation. Their son this morning decided before they left they wouldn't be back tonight. Amen. I'm glad you're here. It just reveals your heart. Amen? Just reveals your heart. 
in the case they were watching Jesus, not adoring him. Washington, D.C., there was a church where the president at the time attended. One day, the pastor answered the phone, and he was asked, will the president be in a service tomorrow? The pastor replied, I don't know, but there's going to be somebody here, a dignitary that's more important than the president. As a matter of fact, can I just... As a matter of fact, can I just go ahead and tell you, he's from another land. Can I, might just, can I go ahead and just tell you, he is, he is known as King of Kings and Lord. Who is it? Well, it'll be Jesus. will be meeting with us here tomorrow. Click. See, they had a problem. What in the hand is in the heart. And many times we come watchers and not worshipers. We're pleasant, but we never praise. We're spectators, but we never participate. We listen, but we don't love. We endure instead of enjoying. We watch the clock instead of watching Christ. They watched instead of worship. Number two, they ridiculed instead of rejoicing. They ridiculed instead of rejoicing. We have made a lot of changes this morning and tonight and most likely will for to this thing till we see it played through. But have you rejoiced today that we have the church and the facility to have church? Have we, if we lived in a little white church, we couldn't have had church. We couldn't have had church. And God, we, we just need to rejoice. You know what I rejoiced this evening? That I wanted to come to church. Amen. That I enjoy being at church. May I remind you, we can ridicule instead of rejoicing. There's nothing like seeing saints stirred and sinners saved. Have you rejoiced over the two Scots saved in the last week? Amen. Boy, I like being service where withered hands get right with God. Amen. Mark 3, 4. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil to save life? Or to, but, he, but they held her peace. It was Sabbath day and, and God just stripped away all their hypocrisy. And the Bible says they went forth, notice, and took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. No sooner did Jesus, can I say something? Why is not somebody proclaiming? Why didn't they one in that crowd leave said, man, did you see that? This dude had a withered hand and he healed him. Did you see that? Not a one. They went and had a meeting on how they might destroy him. Oh my goodness. The point he was driving home there, in spite of all that the law said, it's still good to heal on the Sabbath. Amen. Instead of rejoicing that the man be healed, goodness, they were ridiculing what the Lord Jesus had done. The Pharisees failed to see the goodness of God.
and they just ridiculed. Can I just, can I help you tonight as your pastor? First of all, gosh, we've got a great church. I, I've just been, I woke up early this morning and just, we got some great men that serve. Not a one of these men I called yesterday evening. And I called some others because I wanted some level head. Not a one of them walked in and said, Man, it's Saturday. You crazy or something? I think not a one. And they just helped us serve. Oh, I'm so thankful we got a church. I've not heard not one complain. I get maybe you're afraid to complain. I hope so. I heard one complaint uh, about the change or nothing. I mean, because Lord, we're all in this together, and it's going to take all of us. I love this. Yesterday evening, uh, we 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 got word that somebody might need diapers. Man, we're working to try to find diapers. Amen. If you have a need, you let us know. We'll do what we can to try to help you. Amen. And we will. I mean it. Oh, here was a people that one had a hand problem and left with his hand healed. But a whole bunch had a heart problem. And they left the same way as it was when they walked in. Years ago, years ago, we were in a place, and it wasn't a good place. And I heard a preacher preach this. He said the saddest thing that I never imagined is for you to come to church and leave exactly the way you came. Every service ought to help us. We ought to learn something. Ought to be, I don't care how good the preacher is or how bad he is. You, you get something. God's got something for you in that service. And tonight, I want us to leave this place believing God, daring to believe God. And tonight, if you've got a hand problem, God will heal that. But he healed the heart problem as well as the hand problem. But you see, they wouldn't let him. The only thing that hinders God helping you is God's able to help us. That's all stand to your feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed.